This episode is brought to you by R1RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www.r1rcm.com beckers. Hello, and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. With me in the podcast studio today is Dan Lillianquist. Dan is the Chief Strategy Officer with Intermountain Health. Dan, welcome. Thank you, Will. Good to be with you. I'm excited to be here at Becker's. And uh, just a little bit about Intermountain. We are a large integrated delivery system. We have about 65,000 employees in seven states, 33 hospitals, 400 or so clinics, and a large health plan that... Uh, that helps us um, really fulfill our mission to help people live the healthiest lives possible. I've been in Intermountain 11 years next month, and I've been in this role as Chief Strategy Officer for the last six years, and I've really enjoyed it. Perfect. Thank you, Dan. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, we're going to kind of cover the waterfront, really, of big, big, meaty uh, challenges, issues that are facing large healthcare providers like Intermountain Health as we go into 2024. Um, so I'm really looking forward to you, your perspectives on all of those things. Uh, we'll start off with one of the meatiest ones, which is around payer relations. Obviously, Intermountain is in a slightly different position with Select Health, um, but of course, not the only payer that you work with. It feels like this area of payer provider dynamics is, is always challenging one, of course, naturally, but it feels like it's an area that's become more contentious in the last couple of years. And I'm interested in your perspective on that and whether you see that playing out at Intermountain. Like it's a tough environment on all sides. Healthcare costs are going up and they're going up largely because of labor costs are going up. You have significant inflation, inflation with labor and really a, a supply and demand imbalance in labor that we've never seen before. You've got next several years, the tail end of the baby boom generations retiring and at the time when you have the greatest increase in demand, you have the largest you know, decrease in the supply of providers in the history of, of our country. And so that's exacerbated the challenges for health systems. And, you know, the payers are, you know, trying to make sure that healthcare is affordable and certainly health systems want to as well. And the challenge is when you're paid transactionally, the tools for a payer to cut your rates and question everything you do. And the health systems on the other side are saying, hey, you know, our margins are, are tight or negative. And, you know, we actually provide the care that you collect the premiums to to provide. And so it's tricky. I think the way Intermountain is thinking about it is, is our strategy very much is is to partner very closely with payers on full risk arrangements. And we, we're willing and able to take full clinical and financial accountability for populations of people, believing that by aligning those incentives, we can do a better job of keeping people well and, and frankly, making sure that premiums going forward are predictable and fair and uh, affordable. Um, but it's, it's tricky. I mean, even as large as Intermountain is, um, only a third of our revenue is in fully capitated arrangements. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a battle. And, and so, you know, we're working to align with payers who see 
a pathway forward for value-based care and, you know, we'll work with those payers and eventually not work with payers who don't want to move that direction. Have you have you seen the economic uh, environment that we're in? You, you mentioned um, high inflation, the difficulty around workforce retention, which is happening to everybody. Have you seen that sort of cause some level of economic retrenchment that is moving uh, payers away from value-based care programs? Are people retrenching away from that? Or are you finding that you can still lean in and forge those relationships? Well, look, um, when you have a run-up in inflation on wages like we've had, and by the way, I think it's going to get worse, not better. And we were kind of looking at our own data at Intermountain. And over the next six years, we're anticipating a full quarter of our doctors and a quarter of our nurses to retire. They're just at that age. And if we hired every doctor and every nurse out of every graduate program and all of our footprint, we would still be thousands of doctors short, thousands, maybe tens of tens of thousands of nurses short based on the traditional model of healthcare, which is very labor intensive. And, and so as we look at that, that the challenge with the payer is not going to get easier because you know, we're all, most of us are nonprofit systems or on tight margins and uh, government payments not keeping, keeping up with inflation. And, and so oftentimes you've been historically able to push on commercial rates to kind of make up the difference, but there's no way to make up that difference going forward. So, you know, I expect that there will be payers who lean out and say, you know what, we're going to lean away from hospitals and you'll have payers that lean in and say, look, we've got a partner. Now, we, we ultimately think that by offering a different solution for payers, I mean, we have Select Health, but we also have a multi-payer full risk strategy that we'll work with, with payers who really want to change the healthcare delivery model. And that's what needs to change. It's far too labor intensive. And when labor is scarce and is getting scarcer, the model that we've known has been unsustainable, sustainable for a long time is starting to fracture and break. And, and it's kind of doing that before our eyes. What other constituents should be involved in that reframing of the relationship, I suppose, or the dynamic of how it works? Em employers, uh, government well, entities? And it really all starts with the patient. And it starts with this idea. Um, when my dad started practicing health, practicing medicine, in 1979, when he left uh, Vanderbilt and opened up his own endocrinology practice, it was um, very transactional. It was, he essentially ran the equivalent of a Jiffy loop for diabetes. People would come in, he'd see him, he'd move on. He was doing the same work over and over and over again. He was the one checking for foot ulcers because you needed to generate a code to generate a bill. And that's how you got paid. If it wasn't him, he didn't get paid. I think the new models need to be models where if the payment is comes in up front, then the ability to kind of say to the patient, here's how healthcare could be. You know, people say they want to go see their doctor, but really they want to solve a problem. And we think if, if you're prepaid, you essentially create new freedom to create new models. And we've got to figure out a way to kind of sever the traditional mindset that I have one doctor I go to and it's the same person because there's not enough of those doctors. And, and so many are leaving the workforce that we, we're working to create a system patient relationship, be very aware of what people need and actually solve their needs. And most of the stuff we have doctors doing in the old fee-for-service model, the doctors themselves don't need to do. We could do that far better with pharmacists or different level of resources or, or frankly, through you know really thoughtful algorithms that say, yeah, you've got high blood pressure, but you're on this medication. It seems stable. Let's continue that course of treatment and have somebody review it at the end 
instead of, you know, making them come in for an office visit, pay $300 and, you know, wait forever to come and see a doctor. Right. So now those are the opportunities for us to create new models and reality is not negotiable. Will it is upon us. And at Intermountain, we, we feel like there's an opportunity to create new types of access, a, a new paradigm for patients and it starts with patients. And of course, if you're successful at that, employers come along as well. Yeah. Because yeah. the old model is going to be extremely hard to access going forward. A new model that allows somebody to get real time, get their needs met in a real time way, in a low friction, much more um, intuitive environment, it's just going to be better. It's just, we've been, it's the strictures of the old payment models that have helped, that have forced us down certain pathways for so long that we need to break those pathways and create new ones. Let's let's go on then and talk a little bit about about the patient in this. Uh, you, you brought us back to the patient. Um, patient expectations have changed a lot over the last ten years or so uh, around all aspects of their care, around the administrative experience, right? But probably the expectations they bring to the clinical encounter as well. Um, it feels like you can harness that expectation change here to to drive some of this new model that you're thinking about. Yeah, look, you have to go. You used to have to go see a bank teller to do routine stuff, and then you, now you don't. You know, I'll just give an example of something we were working on. We realized that access for for young women and you know who wanted to get oral contraception, women of childbearing age, that we were making them get an appointment to see a doctor once a year to sit down and spend five minutes with the doctor. And this, the doctor would say, okay, you're fine here. Let's renew it. And our doctors started that model because they said, Hey, we want to wrap our arms around these people. So when they have babies, they come to us. But yet at the same time, it was three months before you could see a doctor and, um, and getting worse. So we went to them and said, Hey, what, what if we, what if we created an online form get a really easy questionnaire? So if their medications change and have a pharmacist review it, what could you, what, how much new capacity could you open up? And just in our own little medical group in Salt, you know, Salt Lake region, 7,000 appointment slots opened up a year. And the patients didn't want to see the doctor. They, they, they just want their birth control nude. And, you know, for people who are dealing with hypertension, they've had chronic hypertension, but it's well-managed or they've got high cholesterol, but it's well-managed because they're on a stable set of medication to force those people to come and see a doctor, one is not only not going to be practical, but it's also wasteful. So I, I do think patients are going to reach a point where they're like, yeah, I'm on this medication. I'm stable. Uh, why do I need to go see a doctor to get it renewed? And that's why we're trying to create more of a system patient relationship to say, yeah, we're, we're comfortable reviewing that and not requiring a doctor to have an office visit to do that type of thing. So when we talk about creating new types of access, that's what we're talking about. Something new, something that is more intuitive and easy to use and frankly doesn't require people to go through certain gates to get care. I mean, three quarters of the country thinks that the healthcare was purposely designed to be complex and hard to use. <laughs> and um, and I think a lot of that came comes from the way the payment has worked for so long and we're hoping to change that. Technology obviously plays a big part in this, um, both from the provider perspective, from the patient perspective as well. I think Intermountain's been a, a real pioneer in some of the patient technology that you've deployed in tandem with Select Health uh, through My Health Plus. Um, can you talk a little bit about that from the patient perspective and how you see that side of it evolving? Well, listen, um, 
if you're going to figure out a new, less labor-intensive model, you've got to rely on technology to help us, you know, get the labor efficiency that we need. I'll just give you an example. Our nurses spend about 30% of their time in, in the hospital actually interacting with patients. The rest of the time is on documentation and coding and doing, doing administrative tasks that frankly, um, oftentimes are driven by how we're paid. And so there's a lot of really heavy burdens that they're tasked with doing. And so we've had a year over year decline in productivity at a time where we actually need productivity to increase. So the opportunity with technology, generative AI models being a really good example to kind of streamline the actual administrative aspects of healthcare is really promising to us. We actually hope that one day we can get to a, an effective clinical use model as well, where care, cancer, care plans can be delivered and developed, um, referring, you know, grounding and explainable clinical logic that, that frees up our nurses' time to actually care for patients rather than sitting down and typing out a care plan for a patient. Um, so AI, some of these new tools, putting our data in the cloud, all that's coming at the right time for us as we seek to create essentially better access to providers by taking off the off of their plate a lot of stuff that they don't need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I and it, we talked about friction points with payers. We see this big rise in denials from commercial payers across most of our clients, um, slowdown in payment times, and it produces a significant administrative burden, right? It just yeah. adds to the administrative burden of those clinicians as well as the administrative staff. I get where they do it. I mean, look, if you can delay payment and you can sit somebody else's money that you owe in your own bank account and collect the interest, just another way of, you know, extracting more margin out of your process. And like, um, you know, there's a lot of bad behavior out there on that front. I, I, I admit that there may be bad behavior on the provider front as well, but for the most part, um, you know, when you're stuck in a fee-for-service model, the tools for the payers are cut your rates and question everything you do. And um, we're far more interested in working with payers who want to align payment in such a way that we can create something new that recognizes that the old model is, is not scalable in a way that will make healthcare affordable and accessible to people going forward. Yeah. Let's end then going back to the patient and about um, making healthcare accessible. Um, can you talk a little bit about Intermountain's safety net strategies and how you're sort of trying to broaden access to the most vulnerable populations that you serve? That's, that's the key to this whole thing. When you have a shift to the right in demand for services and a shift to the left in supply, if you just look at those that traditional economic demand curve, you have a higher equilibrium price and a whole bunch of people who won't get care because they can't afford it. And so when we're talking about creating new models that are scalable, it is about making sure that we are looking out for all segments of the population. In 1975, when the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints donated the Intermountain Hospitals to the community, they stepped out of governance and they left us with really two challenges. One, to be a model system, and to two, take care of the poor. And so we do. We take that seriously. And part of us taking seriously, um, you know, creating new models is to make sure that we can fulfill our mission and make sure we're caring for all members of our community and not just the people who can afford to pay us higher and higher rates. Dan, that's a, a great way to end. Thank you so much for your time today and uh, taking us through your, your perspective. Really appreciate it. Thanks.